0: conversations you care about with people you know. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on WKKX and WVLY. Brought to you by WVU Medicine.
1: In the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time, had a long time. About, about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, saying little sunshine song.
2: Walking in sunshine this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. We always walk on sunshine inside. We're walking on sunshine outside as well. Mostly sunny throughout the day today. Temperatures will be into the mid 80s today, up to maybe close to 90 tomorrow into the 90s on thursday and friday and begin to drop down again uh, on saturday and going into the weekend right now 66 degrees wheeling ohio county airport 66 at the highlands 65 degrees poolside in elm grove in my uh, backyard and uh, what do you have here bob
3: howard we have uh,
2: 65 65 degrees here at the robinson otter studios downtown wheeling in the heart of the ohio valley we've been kicking around this uh heat stuff today just if you were were not with us earlier this morning just be aware in texas no not texas uh phoenix arizona Arizona, where it's not that bad because it's a dry heat i don't even know what that means but that's what they always say um today it's going to be an air temperature in phoenix of 116 degrees 116 the lows let's see what do we have where's my forecast here uh, our lows, I just put it away. Uh, what are we, I think we're down maybe to the 60s tonight. Maybe that's our lows tonight. Uh, today we're going to be, uh, actually doesn't give me the lows. Okay, anyways, probably down to the 60s. The lows in Phoenix, the lows. 90s. Imagine what that's going to be like. And we were talking about how that heat impacts it. And, you know, we talked about the impact on on uh, cars, Bob, and how it gets, you know, the cars get so hot and steering wheel gets so hot and so on. Probably should talk about how heat impacts um, uh, people as well. You know, heat stroke, heat exhaustion starting to become a real problem in some of these areas.
3: I mean, we, we've been half serious and kidding around, but I would really like to, to talk to someone that like works for the city, maybe a garbage person that goes out and actually has to work in that heat. What do you do? I mean, because you can't you can't even say, "Well, let's work tonight, well, it's going to be ninety five. that's right. not that's not that much of a a savings. Or you know what I was thinking, Howard. I've never been to Arizona. I have no desire to go to Arizona. I have
2: been, but and it's a nice place when it's not so hot. not
3: so hot. I, I imagine they gotta have some like a ranchers or farmers. Or there, there's gotta be uh, sure. animals that are outside. I know your lizard. They probably don't can't tell the difference between 150. Ah, they're or, happy. They just lay, on the, happy they as lay hell. on the rock. And they They lay on the But cattle or deer. Absolutely. You thinking, man, what what do they what do they do? How do you get away? And then if something chases them, they're done. They can't run in that kind of heat.
2: Heat stroke uh, is when your core body temperature is 104 degrees or higher. It uh, can cause headaches, confusion, slurred speech, seizures, and it's nice to know. It can kill you. I mean, heat is not, you know, we jo- we've been kind of joking about it, like you said, and it's, it can kill you. Um, heat exhaustion can last a few days. Um, heat stroke requires a hospital stay. And it could ta- if you had a heat stroke, it can take up to a year to fully recover, according to this info I have here. First signs of heat exhaustion, heavy sweating, racing heart cramps, headache, dizziness feeling faint and being tired or weak in general um feeling of those today
3: i feel that all the time but i'm thinking you know they probably get a lot of call-offs again like we do here with bad roads oh you can't make it in today huh no it's too damn hot (laughs) I'm, i'm not leaving the house what do you do for heat exhaustion now i
2: love the answer here what do you do for heat exhaustion bob what do you think the answer will be i'd say get in some cold water get out of the
3: heat or a cold shower works for me
2: this is one of those like you're kidding me. What do you do for heat exhaustion? Keep get going. out of
3: the heat. Whatever you're doing, just keep keep going. It'll be all right.
2: <laughs> it is, you also drink fluids, take a cool bath, loosen your clothes, or drench them in water. Okay, and call nine one one if your symptoms get worse. Again, I, I don't think we're at heat struck weather around here, but if you're in Phoenix, one hundred sixteen degrees, it is going to be heat struck weather. uh what does heat stroke feel like? Not good. People tend to feel confused and might even become aggressive and combative. So just a couple of things I came across this morning uh, as we continue to look at the scorching heat across the country. Again, we're going to be in the 80s today, close to 90 tomorrow, into the 90s the next couple of days after that. And that's hot, and we were in the 100-degree-plus range uh, about a month or so ago. But again, think of Phoenix, if you will. Adam Fike from the Big 7 told us... uh, 116 degrees today will be their air temperature, and again, what I guess what what what's that going to mean in terms of um, feels like temperature? It's got to be probably 100 120 at the minimum, 125, 126. Uh, you'd be like the wicked witch of the west; you'd just be melting. Dust. You? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, we talked yesterday a little bit about uh, UFOs and what is the why do we have such a desire in this country, to, not in this country, in the world really, to believe that uh, UFOs are somehow from outer space? Um, every time a report comes out, no matter what the report says, like the last one that came out, they said, well, there are still a lot of unexpl- unexplained uh, stories in our database, but we have no reason to believe they're of extraterrestrial origin. Okay, all right. And yet, and that's when people start calling shows like this and texting me and going, well, I know, you know, you know, the aliens are out there. And we talked about that yesterday, and there's a human desire to do that. But the next question becomes, what do we do if we ever have first contact with aliens? What do we do if extraterrestrials come down and say, in the figurative movie jargon, take me to your leader? Where do they go? Who do we take them to? Um, how do we handle this? And you know, we're sending signals out into space. That SETI search for extraterrestrial or intelligent life, or whatever that is. Um, we're sending signals out, trying to make contact with extraterrestrials out on their uh, in their world. And are, are we doing the right thing? How do we do that? Um, there's an interesting way to look at this, which is look at how we in this World have dealt with indigenous cultures, for example. White men come to jungle. Uh, how do you how do you meld those cultures? How do you communicate? We're going to talk about that with Willow Lempert, who is an anthropologist. That's coming up next here on the Watchdog Morning Show.
4: Oh, there's something so real-
5: brought opioids into your home they helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case but holding on to opioids puts your family at risk learn more at www.fda.gov drug disposal
1: you want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's health care demands wvu medicine wheeling hospital delivers the right care right here at home developing new and exclusive services recruiting top surgeons we embody the mountaineer spirit building upon strong traditions pioneering medical care moving forward with compassion wvu medicine wheeling hospital delivering the right care right place right time
5: you may not be able to visit greece but greece can visit you at the grecian fest starts wednesday july 26 and continues through saturday july 29th at saint john the divine in center wheeling Come and get a taste of traditional Greek food, ancient Christian faith, and authentic Greek dancers. Join a free Greek cooking class presented each day at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Pick up a gyro for lunch. Visit the Greek coffee house. Enjoy indoor dining. Learn more at grecianfest.com. We are back! Check out your favorite talk radio station on our new Facebook page at WatchdogWV. Click our like button to follow what's happening on The Watchdog, FM 98 Watt and 97 7, AM 1600 and 1370.
4: Ready to take your driving experience to the next level? Look no further than Toyota, the pioneers of automotive technology. With Toyota cars, trucks, and SUVs, you'll discover a world of cutting-edge innovation at your fingertips, like advanced driver assist features, seamless connectivity, and unparalleled safety systems. Go to buyatoyota.com for special offers, then visit your local Toyota dealership. Offers end August 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Spend your summer mornings with us. News, News, information, information, conversation, conversation, controversy, and fun. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. You'll never find, as long as you live, someone who loves you.
2: Music today is all from 1976, and you picked it because it was a year of a big drought in the world,
3: right? That's right, Howard. Uh, and again, I, I'd have to really be there to believe it, but they said even more than we're experiencing today. Yeah, worldwide I, drought. I, as I said, I don't
2: remember that, uh, and maybe we didn't have that problem here in the upper Ohio Valley. Again, though, I was uh, it was the bicentennial year. I was paying attention to the bicentennial it was the year before I got married, so Nancy and I were paying attention to, well, you know, other things. Um, so I, I, don't, uh, I don't really uh, remember that. 1976, I would have been doing uh, radio for, uh, since 68, so what, six years, something like that, and um, uh, eight years. And I would have um, been just beginning to hit the stride where I hit that time period where I did a lot of shows on UFOs. For a period of time, I don't know why, I just got into it, and we had a lot of UFO experts, to the extent there are such things, come through the area, come to the library and speak and so on. So I had a lot of those kind of interviews. I haven't done it for a long time, and then just in the past couple of months, it seems like we've been bringing in some more guests, Bob, to talk about flying saucers, UFOs, UAPs as they're now called. The House Oversight Committee uh, is going to hold a hearing on UFOs in the near future, they say, and uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, has introduced an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, creating a review board to try to declassify UFO-related UFO records. You'll recall in the most recent public report that we did get, a lot of it's classified, but a lot was made public, about half of the new cases investigated could not be explained and seem to appear to show unusual characteristics. But they continue to say there is no reason to believe that this is extraterrestrial life. And I suspect, I believe that. But I also believe that there is such a thing as life out there somewhere. And are they coming to see us? Are we coming to see them? Someday that first contact may occur. Maybe it's already occurred. I don't know. And what do we do? How do we handle it? Uh, Willie Limpert is an assistant professor of anthropology at Bowdoin College, and uh, he did some writing about this, and I asked him to come and join us this morning. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning. How are you doing?
2: Good. Appreciate you being here with me this morning. Um, it's an interesting perspective that you have taken, and a group of your colleagues have taken uh, in conjunction, I guess, with the SETI group, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, to to begin to ask the question: How do we handle what I'm, you know, calling air quotes, first contact?
1: Absolutely. Firstly, thanks for having me on. I look forward to chatting. As I had mentioned, I'm in Maine now at Bowdoin College, but I'm born and raised in Ohio. Into my 20s, from the Cincinnati area, I love West Virginia, and I'm thrilled to be chatting to folks in that part of the world.
3: Good, appreciate
2: you being here. So, let me let me kind of get a sense of where your head is at first, then we'll talk about what you think as a as a professional. Do you do you think that there are there is life out there somewhere, and or do you think that we have made contact, or will soon make contact? Just trying to get a sense of where you're coming from.
1: It's a great question, and I'll say from the back that there are people who know a lot more about the likelihood of aliens, UFOs. You represent the, or you mentioned the hearings at the House Oversight Committee. Um, there are experts on that, and that's not my area of expertise, um, and I'm really fascinated by folks who know a lot about that. Uh, from the point of view of an anthropologist, What I've become really interested in, and um, I could talk more about this, but is the idea of the way we think about aliens as providing a sort of mirror. Um, And so, the idea that it's important to think, you know, beyond just whether aliens exist and have they already made contact, but thinking about how the way that we imagine them provides a sort of mirror for the treatment of beings and spaces here on Earth. and kind of getting down to, and I, I can talk a lot more about this, but the basics, what is an alien? It implies a sort of other um, in an outer space, and how just the way that the people who might interact with aliens answer that question, that will have a huge impact on what happens next. And thinking about what will, interact, what, what will impact the what happens next, that's something we've thought uh, very deeply about.
2: And it, it's a two-way street here, and by that I mean we have to think about what happens if the day comes, like the day the Earth stood still when the spaceship comes down and they say, Klaatu Parado, nictu," <laughs> You know. <Yeah. laughs> uh, or we also have to think about the fact that we are actually out there sending signals out, trying to make contact with extraterrestrial life out out there. So it's really a two-way street. Are, are, are we going to see extraterrestrials here? Are we trying to contact them out there? And I, I suspect we need to be So, where do I want to use? Careful about how we do both of those.
1: Absolutely, I think care is like the sort of name of the game. Um, It's not just about kind of critiquing projects; that that's easy. Um, But I think it's helpful if I quickly tell you how I originally got into this topic, Um, because I've been engaging with indigenous science fiction filmmakers for years, and one thing I noticed is they had very different ways of imagining extraterrestrial beings. And if we think about, you know, virtually all mainstream science fiction. It kind of you know there's a diversity of films but almost all of them imagine violence that mirrors sort of colonial contact history Mm -hmm. whether it's about resources or territory basically one side is trying to conquer the other or even in exceptions like arrival uh that's the backdrop or the potential even in in e.t like what would happen if they caught e.t like there's people on the trigger they put their finger on the trigger in all these films and yet, indigenous films in this realm—they often don't project any colonial violence and have kind of a relational way of communicating. That's not alien. i I'm imagining what and who aliens are is very different. It's it's relational. It's within their their you know system of of beliefs and, and stars and and the heavens. And so, really thinking, bringing into question at a practical level, from the point of view of aliens who would they decide to make first contact with if they were super intelligent would it be the most dominant would it be new york the president uh paris or would it be the oldest and most sustainable and representative of the species as far as societies um and then just briefly adding that we we tend to most people and scientists often imagine the universe as cold emptiness separating atoms and material objects but as an anthropologist, it's worth pointing out that that's really unusual in the broad context of human societies where sort of everything is animated in a very practical way. And I can talk about an example, but um, that everything in the universe has spirit and you know being that are interconnected. And so that kind of changes the nature, of, even the approach of talking about aliens. Um, it, there's a lot of value judgment even in that term.
2: You know, it's interesting in in UFO lore. Um, you, you make a really good point. The movies we tend to see, uh, if extraterrestrials are coming here, they tend to come to a big city, a New York City or Washington D.C. or something like that, or a foreign city of large of a large foreign city. The origins of UFO lore, if we are to believe any of them, are that a lot of the sightings were in. Rural parts and unknown parts and quiet parts, not the big, burly, hustle-bustle city parts, but, but more in the uh, in the uh, uh, in the rural parts of our country, in the quieter parts of our country.
1: Absolutely, and you know, your discussion just before we um, began talking, it, it kind of in relation to that made me think about this book called American Cosmic by D.W. Pusolka. Who makes this case that, especially in sort of rural U.S. Um, with the general decline of organized religion at a broad level, you know, she argues that there is, you know, there's this the rise of a sort of spiritual engagement with aliens. She sort of suggests that it's it's rep- filling the role that that the loss of organized religion has had that a lot of people have. Um, you know, meaningful engagements on multiple levels that, you know, have to do with all sorts of things. But I think you bring up a good point about the rural context and uh, what, what parts of the country and what parts of the world tend to have these sort of um, experiences.
2: I'm talking off the top of my head here. I have no background on this. But it would seem to me that if we attribute to extraterrestrials a desire to come and learn about this earth, they may very well go more into what I'm calling rural America or quiet America. But the movies always envision conquest and uh, taking over things, and so they go into the bigger cities and so on. Uh, Willie, is there any, to, the, to your knowledge, and you've worked with the SETI folks among other groups, to your knowledge, yeah. are we doing anything to actually prepare for, to think about the day when someone comes down and says, take me to your leader?
1: You know, that's a great point. and and I love how you put that question. Take me to your leader is one approach, but it might not be the approach if you're easing into uh, you know a planet if say they were super intelligent studying us. they might that might not be their first um, step. but yes so uh, absolutely. I started engaging with SETI um, in two thousand and seventeen and to your exact question, they started thinking about how they were very focused on the sort of physics, the communication, technology, radio, frequencies, et cetera. But they hadn't thought, they thought perhaps enough about what's the next domino? What, what are all the points of view they might like to have? So they had this and other sort of conferences where they had working groups. And I was on one through Indigenous Studies, and there were others as well, uh, throughout the humanities and social sciences, where they wanted to get other points of view. They asked, they asked more than anything, what are we missing? And my co-authors and I were on that. And so we started thinking deeply about trying to provide them points of view because right, the, the STEM science folks, are, they have these incredible abilities and strengths in certain areas. I was just thinking about, I saw Oppenheimer recently and it made me think about this. But there are other points of view that, that other folks and experts bring to the table too. and And that led to me writing about a variety of historical analogs relating to James Cook and the Endeavor and et cetera. But really they, you know, to Sadie's great credit, they realized that there there might be a bigger world of approaches that they could think about should that should that happen, at least at a public level.
2: I'm, I'm not asking if there is because I don't know that there is, but should, should there be a better coordinated plan of some kind? I mean, I know this sounds silly and people think I'm, you know, off the wall here, but shouldn't we have someplace a plan that says in the event that we make contact? Because look, every nation of the every country in the world is going to want to be part of it, or maybe not to be part of it. I don't know. I, I mean, are we going to wing it? I guess maybe. As I should, should, shouldn't we do better than just winging it when 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 they come? The little green men. I put that in quotes. I'm joking, of course. But I mean, shouldn't we do better yeah. than just winging
1: it? i love your your phrasing because i think sometimes in sort of science academic realms like things become rarefied and jargony but the reality is just how you put it are we going to wing it and um, that's something i've been thinking about and and sometimes it feels like we're not winging it well we are just because we're using fancy complex language but but we're winging it to your point and so to give you a very quick example of where my mind went because it's, it's hard to think about this stuff of course and um, it gets weird, so going into the sandbox of history to find analogs and and none is perfect, but I went back, and this relates to my my research in Australia um and, and aboriginal topics there but um, so i I've written in depth about this, but the the broad um, strokes for just a moment is. James Cook very famously went on the, uh, the Endeavour trips, and the first one in the mm-hmm. 1700s to the South Pacific, and the official reason he went was to measure the transit of Venus, to watch Venus go across the sun, and basically if you measured that around the world, you can find out the solar distance, and you need the sort of three dim- or two dimensions, so you need one in Tahiti or the South Pacific, so they did that, it was successful, and the Royal Society was sort of his sponsor, and this was an English society, all the most famous scientists of the era, the most prestigious organization in the world, firm ethical protocols. They gave him a sort of prime directive, kind of like Star Trek. You cannot do anything. that causes harm. um, Do not intervene. But it didn't matter because of the broader, larger government, military, geopolitical forces. Um, And it ended up initiating the colonization of Australia, New New Zealand, and other places. And James Cook very specifically did not want this. And so it's easy to focus on the, the focus of the people in these kind of rooms. And this doesn't give anything away from Oppenheimer, but there's a moment when he realizes that even though they've been obsessed with the ethics and wrestling with the bomb, that there's a moment where once it exists, they immediately lose all control, yeah. and he's surprised by that. But in retrospect, he feels like, "How? Why was I surprised? How could I have been that? You know, um, not naive, but how could I have missed that? That's obviously what would happen if things that are so consequential um, become the realm of government, military, et cetera." So I think that's the moment I pointed out. If you look at analogs and Oppenheimer works too, the thing that would really happen in the moment is not. Academics would slowly, carefully consider it, its governments would kind of all go into a sort of winging it
2: take control, yeah,
1: you know take control, I mean just at a practical and non even conspiratorial level that's that's how it seems probable to me, so thank you for indulging that, but looking to history and analog to try to. Try to change the, our point of view of things that have happened in the past. And,
2: well, do we learn um, from yeah. our our efforts to um, uh, whether we go back to Cook or, or or Columbus coming to you know the Americas or whatever? Are the things that we can learn from stumbling upon, for lack of a better phrase, uh, unknown or different cultures? Can we learn some things about how to properly handle this?
1: Absolutely. I- you couldn't have asked a, a better question because I think it's not that exploration is inherently colonial or violent. Humans, you know, have their eyes to the horizon, and, and it's not just about critiquing. right? that's easy. Anyone can just tear something down, space projects, et cetera. Uh, but one thing I pointed to is, and this sounds like a strange example, but take Polynesian wayfinders, they had arguably the most sophisticated navigational techniques. Mm-hmm in history, within their context, like going from Hawaii to Easter Island with only sort of um, intuitive, internal, star, wind patterns. I mean, it's like hitting a pea, like from miles away. Um, And so it provides a profound analog of navigation and exploration because, as I mentioned earlier, the, the sort of broadly Western way of thinking about empty space and just atoms between that, that's sort of how... Cook imagined the sort of right-angled projections of maps, but the way that Polynesians have and continue to imagine their navigation is where the ship is the center, and it's not as though this—it's not as though having an animated sense of the universe stops them from exploring. In fact, it, even Easter Island, which is the example people point to as destructive, is actually a complicated story, more about incredible. Um, survival against all odds. So I I think Polynesian wayfinding is one example of how uh, one might imagine the universe as not just empty space of alien and us and outer and inner, um, but thinking about it relationally in a way where we might not project the sort of colonial histories that we have, and so we're we're not doomed to repeat it. So I think there are ways in which you know, Beyond the critique of we just have to stop any of this you know, engagement, which isn't realistic, there are ways where we can have people in the room who, even though are hyper-marginalized in the moment, are much more representative of the human experience and human societies and the human perspective and the history of, of the cosmos. And that, that's, I think, a very practical, um, simple step that I, I, would, I think would be win-win.
2: We're talking about first contact and that's the phrase I've been using here, and whether it's um, you know a flying saucer hovering over rural West Virginia or picking up Barney and Betty Hill in the old days or whether it's <laughs> you know whether it's the day the earth stood still and the big <whistles> ship comes down and Klatu Parado, nikto all that. But also, as I said earlier, it's a two-way street. We are out there. We are sending things out into space yeah. to try and make contact out there. And we are listening all the time. We're listening. Here in West Virginia, I think, the Green Bank Telescope is listening. In your article, you suggest, which is an interesting concept to me, that the act of listening itself might be, in a sense, a phase of contact.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we like to point out, like in a Hollywood blockbuster, there's this moment where there's like a, a thing that happens and there's contact, whereas contact is a much like it's a long process. Um, a book series is my personal favorite. is called The Three Body Problem. That exemplifies this. I just think it's it's so good. But it talks of it kind of explains. You know, contact might be a process that happens over thousands of years. Because, for example, with the distances involved, say someone receives our golden record or our, you know, a broadcast of television or vice versa, we hear something. That's sort of the first domino that initiates. Unless we can figure out wormholes, you know, these processes might take millennia um, mm-hmm. to unfold. And so, looking back, um, you know, the idea, like rumors that there were, you know, uh, that Australia existed or New Zealand or islands, the sort of vague rumors by some pirates overheard in the bar, that mm-hmm. was sort of the beginning of contact. But this stuff happens slowly. But there's this sort of high school history book. Of moments that happen um, that represent kind of these crescendos, but not um, not the total process of how these things go. So we, we just try to point out that these these things are long and are only easily put into stories in retrospect.
2: It is interesting. You you've given me some other things to think about there. I love that analogy of you know the the pirates in a restaurant or in a bar, and somebody says, <laughs> "I thought I saw some strange things in the <laughs> woods last night." And but that's kind yeah. of an, in a sense what what we're that's how this UFO lore kind of grows, right? So the people see things and and whisper, and then eventually now we're reaching the point where we have congressional committees looking at it, and we have the military investigating it. But I suppose it started out with a bunch of people in a bar going, "I saw me something strange last <laughs> night." So,
1: <laughs> um, you know, Howard, that's a great point because you know they're talking about mermaids and then they're talking about islands and. And it's hard to parse what might be real, and that becomes clearer over time. And I think we're all going through that process collectively, and it's happening in in D.C.
2: Willie, if if I can draw a conclusion from what I read in your piece in the conversation and what I uh, had, I'm gleaning from our talk here today. It's that I don't know if we are ready, but we need to be ready. We need to be thinking about how are we going to approach this when the time comes. And I don't know when it is, and I don't know who they are, and I don't know what – I firmly believe there's life somewhere out there in the uh, universe. someday there will be a contact. Are we? How do we handle it when that happens? Uh, or, or will we be like Columbus, just bumping into, uh, you know, into an impediment on our way around the world, <laughs> and, and, and and stumbling on <laughs> on natives? You know, if we're not prepared, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it's it's uh, it's something I think we need to think more more about. I know it's kind of weird. We don't think about um, the UFOs story in those contexts, but I think it actually, anthropologically, I think it really has uh, a lot of value to it. I appreciate your time with us this morning. Thank you very much, and good conversation. Maybe we'll talk again someday.
1: Thanks, Howard. I really appreciated speaking with you, and hi to everyone in West Virginia and Ohio. Wonderful <laughs> to, to connect.
2: All right. Thank you. we really. appreciate it. Willie
1: Lempert is an
2: assistant professor of anthropology at Bowdoin College, and um, it's an interesting way of thinking about things. Yeah, when he said that, you know, you picture a lot of stuff happens that way, right? A couple of, couple of pirates around the bar, saw me some strange things in the woods last
3: night. And everybody has their own idea, Howard. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that because uh, I, I think it, I, I've always believed there, there was something else out there. But I go back to Stephen Hawking. He said, look, uh, it's, it's kind of like poking the bear. Uh, how do you know how they're going to react to that? Uh, They may just come here and just feel threatened by that alone. Don't do that. And so I I, I think we're wrong just because, you know, he's what, the smartest guy ever? And he knows about those things.
2: And he said, don't do it. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I've got a text about that exact same thing. Um, I'm listening in the Columbus Airport today, by the way. This texter says flying to Switzerland. And I'm listening. Um, Stephen Hawking's warned us, don't do that. Stay as hidden as possible. And uh, just what you're saying, you know. There's an arrogance to us, right? There's, sure. There's an arrogance to this and idea. And a stupidity. That, well, stupidity, absolutely. But it's an arrogance why we are, you know.
3: You know, in reality, you're leaving them a trail back to us. Again, I I go back to what he said. It, it, there's too many possibilities that we just don't know. Don't do it. Just don't do it.
2: Just don't do it. All right. All uh, right. I, don't, I think that's my last UFO plan for, for a couple of weeks. They all happen to come yesterday and today together, but uh, if I find some more, I'll put them up and we'll talk about it. It's 940, 20 to the hour Watchdog Morning Show. Heading you may into not the be able, able to visit
5: Greece, but Greece can visit you at the Grecian Fest. Starts Wednesday, July 26th and continues through Saturday, July 29th at St. John the Divine in Center Wheeling. Come and get a taste of traditional Greek food, ancient Christian faith, and authentic Greek dancers. Join a free Greek cooking class presented each day at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Pick up a gyro for lunch, visit the Greek coffee house, enjoy indoor dining. Learn more at grecianfest.com.
0: Don't just listen be part of all of our shows use the frio stack auction service hotline call or text us at 304-214-1600 the frio stack auction service hotline your
4: direct connection to the watchdog ready to take your driving experience to the next level look no further than toyota the pioneers of automotive technology With Toyota cars, trucks, and SUVs, you'll discover a world of cutting-edge innovation at your fingertips, like advanced driver assist features, seamless connectivity, and unparalleled safety systems. Go to buyatoyota.com for special offers, then visit your local Toyota dealership. Offers end August 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Sunshine,
0: swimming pools, green grass, and great conversation. It's summertime, and this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Alone, I think of all the friends
1: I've known, but when I dial the telephone,
4: nobody's home.
2: Song, a little sad thing there, you know. Geez, all by myself, all by myself. Music of nineteen seventy six. And as I said, I know that there are clunkers in seventy six, but you have picked just absolutely some tremendous songs from the from that year.
3: I'm a seventies guy. Uh if I was gonna pick music, that's usually uh where I go. I go to the seventies.
2: Well Nancy and I in the car we have on the Sirius XM uh, we have Sirius XM radio and if we're listening to music, it's seventies on seven. That's that's what we listen to, the 70s channel. Um, and one of the interesting things, which is interesting about because we're doing this day with 1976, uh, on the weekends, 70s on 7 runs the old uh, Casey Kasem American Top 40.
3: I love that. My, it drives my wife crazy. She says, uh, did you hear the date? That was 1973. Why are we listening to that? Well, I love it. That's uh, Casey Kasem. That's exactly right. And I listen to it. And like this weekend, um,
2: I forget what year it was. I think it was it was 73, but what year, what week it was. It was all rhythm and blues. I mean, it was all soul music, you know, every song. It, it, it's, it's interesting to see how, as we look back now, on how the tastes changed, And that's, that's kind of the fun thing with American Top 40.
3: It, it is. And uh, where, where Casey loses me, Howard, was when he says, I got a letter here from young, young Howard Monroe in Elm Grove, West Virginia, who asked. Uh, that drives me crazy. But the, the music I really love.
2: Did you ever hear, I'm sure you did because you surf for YouTube, Did you ever hear some of the uh, outtakes of his show?
3: Yeah, uh, he wasn't as nice as as we thought he was.
2: Uh, There's one about a dog. And now we want to say, we want to send out this to Sally Sue, who had her poor dog die. Dog die? I
3: don't. Why
2: do I have enough enough of this die story? (laughs)
3: <laughs> don't bring that around me anymore. I
2: can't come out of a of a fast song
3: and then play the dog dance. I don't care about the dog. Get that out of That's here. That's exactly right.
2: <laughs> if you are a fan of Casey Kasem's, well, I don't know that might make you not a fan, but uh, look it up on YouTube. There are two or three where he just goes. Um, but it was a great. It was a good show. And again, it, it was what I like about it is what we're doing today with our bumper music. You just can reflect on an era there in 1976, and then
3: somebody had to whisper to him, "Casey, Casey, we're, alive. we're <laughs> live, we're yeah.
2: live." The good thing is Casey was not not ever never live, so that uh, that always worked. It's 9:45, uh, quarter till the hour. Uh, Bob Westfall, the Big Seven coming up in a minute or two. Uh, Bob, I know that you don't. I don't think you do. You don't do Twitter, do you? I do not. Well, you won't do it. Nobody's going to do it anymore. It's over for Twitter? Elon Musk, who bought Twitter about a year ago and has watched it. we talked about Radio Shack going downhill. I mean, Elon Musk, he might as well taking a toilet. We got to flush it.
3: And he gave a lot of money for that. He didn't?
2: a huge amount of money for it. Uh, the, 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 the value of the company is down. The advertising is way off. Uh, most reasonable people have gotten away from it. I still stay on it because there are some folks like Stephen Adams and, and Brad that still post things on there, and I do that. Uh, it's become just a, a a place of trolls. It's a terrible place to be. So, what's he going to do? Elon Musk decided this weekend, and I get to sense he d- d- like he woke up and said, "Oh, I think I'll do this." Elon Musk is changing the name. It is no longer Twitter. Now it is X. Just X, and he's going to get rid of the uh, the little bird. You know, the Tweety bird that he has. So That's the symbol of Twitter. No, no, no more bird. No more bird. And, of course, when we say things, oh, did you read the tweet by Howard Monroe this week? There won't be tweets. There'll be X's now. Did you read the X by Monroe? I can't imagine that this can go on much longer. I don't know what happens, whether somebody buys it from him or I, I, I don't know. But it just it makes, I mean, and I sincerely, <laughs> sincerely believe he just woke up in the middle of the night and said, oh, I think I'm going to change it to X.
3: Do you think he has so much money that he could never lose it all?
2: Well, that's a good point. I mean, it's actually a good question. Um,
3: because I really enjoy Howard. I, I he's, really what, the enjoyed, second richest man in the world, something like that? Especially, you know, the guys like him that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They get lucky. They have a great idea. And they turn that into more money than they could ever dream making. And then they think they're geniuses. Right. You know, again, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Absolutely right. You got lucky. Again, you're a smart person. Don't get me wrong. You're a very intelligent person. But you're not a freaking genius like you think you are. And you think you can just throw it here and throw it here? I would love to see him go bankrupt. I love to see him pull with JJ. I, I, I and would say, do. Man, I well, don't know if I got that money or you not. You
2: know, he he hit. Uh, he, he he got the right idea. Tesla worked. Tesla was a success. He found a um, a trend that made sense. But and this what I followed this Twitter stuff very carefully, and I mean it is like it. It's like he the day he bought it, it was like he said. Let's see how fast I can run to destroy this company. And it's just been going downhill ever since. And even this thing. So he changed the name of Twitter to X. Now it's going to be called X. What he didn't look at is that somebody already owns X. And you know what it is? Is it us, KKX? Well, we could. Mark Zuckerberg, who is his main Uh rival who has Facebook, he actually owns X. How much is that going to cost him? So now it's going to be, oh, geez. Uh, Zuckerberg has registered the X logo in connection with, and I quote here, online social networking services, social networking services in the fields of entertainment, gaming, and application development. In other words, if you're going to do an online service, social media type thing called X, Zuckerberg owns it. Again, I I firmly believe that that uh, Musk just woke up and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna call it X," and further down the hill it goes. I'm with you. I I don't wish ill on anybody. I don't wish ill on too many people, but I think that uh, the problem is I don't think he's got. You asked. How'd you ask, How'd you phrase the question? you ever you and know go broke at all? i don't know i don't know he, how do you have that much money how do you lose it all that's
3: why i still shake my head when we talk about jj even if you just had it in a bank that much money has to generate more money and you say you have no money and now he can't pay his bills that's Crazy. something's wrong
2: <laughs> 10 till the hour on the watchdog morning show
4: why just think about it why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at lowe's or the home depot We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery powered tools from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real Steel, find yours at steelusa.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I 70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. If you're gonna make a run- Having fun, the one place you should know, Gumby's Grab and Go. Ooh, Gumby's rocks.
1: What if your bank offered new checking and savings accounts with a very low balance required? online bill pay and debit cards issued right away.
5: I would like that.
1: What if that bank had extended hours every business day and were open on Saturdays and most holidays? That's incredible. And if all their accounts had low fees or no fees?
5: That's money in the bank, the right bank.
1: Open your checking and savings account at Main Street Bank. You deserve a bank this good. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender.
0: He has his say you can have yours text us or call us and join the conversation this is the watchdog morning show with howard monroe brought to you by wvu medicine
4: hey, who, She's gone. She's gone.
2: She's gone. We're talking about rich people, and you made a good point off the air about Governor Justice. Sometimes I wonder, was he really a billionaire? You know, did, he, did he just say that? I mean, Donald Trump did that, kept saying he had so much money, and when they begin to actually look at us, oh, no, actually didn't have that much. Still very rich, but not, not that much money. Think about this, Elon Musk we were talking about. Yesterday, 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 his net worth increased four point one billion dollars. You,
3: you can't. Yesterday,
2: put that away. yeah. Yesterday, he four point one billion dollars more yesterday than he had the day before. No
3: wonder he can make his decisions. Howard. Yeah,
2: he can wake up and say, "I'm going to change Twitter to X," and nobody cares. He because it, it, how can he lose it? He is the richest man in the world, and I suppose somehow, some way, you could conceivably lose it all, but I don't know how that could happen. Could he ever lose lose it all? I don't know. Four point one billion dollars yesterday. Would you make it? No, I don't want to ask.
3: No, you. I can't wait for tomorrow. I'm <laughs> going to make four point billions of dollars.
2: Exactly. Bob Westfall is here. He's probably picked up four point one billion dollars while he's been waiting for us. Good morning, Bob.
6: Good morning, Howard. How are you guys doing? Good. Can you
2: imagine that? Elon Musk made four point one billion dollars. His net worth increased four point one billion dollars oh, yeah. just yesterday.
6: Yeah, it happens every day. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's just, it's just.
6: And Can't he wouldn't lose it. If you, even if he lost all of it, the government would bail him out. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, he I mean, he's,
2: he's too big to fail. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah, big. there it is. In all seriousness, because th- we began talking about this because Bob asked the question, could he ever lose it all? We we're talking about changing Twitter to X, and I think it's a stupid move, and that's, I think Twitter is going to fade from existence eventually. And Bob says, could he ever lose it all? I don't, I don't know that with as much money as he has, you could ever lose it
6: all. Um, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people that have thought that and have lost it. Also, I mean, I guess, I mean, you're gonna make some a series of stupid decisions and 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 find yourself without anything. Well, I mean, it's yeah. always possible. Governor
2: Justice began his uh, time in office as a billionaire, and he's no longer such. Now he can't pay his bills. So, that's uh, that's a good uh, point.
6: Yeah, I always remember uh, Daryl Waltrip in NASCAR always said, "How do you?" How, how do you make a, a, a small fortune in, in in racing as an owner? He said to come into the, come into the sport with a large fortune.
2: <laughs> That's a great line. I like that. That's very yeah. good. I, so I hadn't heard you know, that
6: before, but I'm going to use
2: that now. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah. So. All right. Give us an update. What you're working on today?
6: All right, tonight's uh, State of the City ad- uh, state of the city Address, uh, today at noon. Uh, we will be live streaming that as well. Catherine Gow and Danny Maris will be covering that. Uh, Glenn Elliott's last State of the City Address, uh, we will be having that um, uh, today at noon. That will be on, our, I believe it's going to be on our website. Um, so we'll have that. And then, of course, uh, Catherine will uh, report, uh, have a story of five and six tonight as well. Uh, just curious, what he's going to say. I mean, he just had a huge visit from Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. Um, You know, got uh, streetscape is kicked in. A lot of things uh, that had talked about uh, over his administration are actually now happening. So, should be uh, should be an interesting uh, should be an interesting speech. So we will be there live for that. You know, the mayor uh, has
2: the mayor has always at the State of the State State of the City speech been very. Uh, apolitical. He's talked about the, you know, the things, things happening in the city, what we've done, what we're going to do, and so on. But I, I note that Mayor Elliott in the last year or so has become a little more um, opinionated in some of his social media postings. And I just wonder, on. I'm wondering, on his last State of the City speech, if he'll have some things to say about the tenor of the times and how there's still so much negativity and so on. Maybe not. It's not his usual speech, but I just wonder, if uh if we'll see some of that on his on his last speech here.
6: Okay. Um it, it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm like you. I just kinda curious to see what he comes out with. Um his political future's kind of up, uh kind of uh not sure where he's gonna go from here, but uh so kinda curious to see what he's got to say. Yep. Uh also uh the basketball tournament kicks off today at two o'clock. We'll be down there today. Uh, Scott Nolte will be live there tonight at six. Um uh West Virginia plays today Uh, I think the Marshall uh, University team plays today uh, after W after best Virginia Um, so we've got all that going on that's going on all weekend we've got uh, we've got the Italian Fest coming up this weekend so the sons of Italy are making their sausage so we've got that DK is going to be over there today for that Uh, we've got that kicking in Marshall County's fun fair that huge fair they have for the kids every year that's tomorrow we're going to preview that today so we're excited about that Uh, smart center smart center has relocated we're going to talk to them uh, about their new location and yes the T-Rex did go with them so we'll have that today (laughs) I watched the movie Uh, I watched the
2: movie the T-Rex that was kind of fun to watch it come out of the old building and move up the street yeah
6: yeah so we will have that today. Uh, check that out. Then we'll be following the weather. Uh, as I said, to have no, uh, some sports and stuff like that. So a little bit of everything on this Tuesday. People can
2: check it out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, is the region-wide show. And, of course, always on the award-winning website, WTRF.com. And... Keep Channel 7 in your pocket on your smartphone or your tablet if you choose, with the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app set for push notifications. So when something happens, you are among the first to know. All right, Bob, I appreciate it. We will let's see. Tomorrow is my short day, so I won't to talk to you tomorrow. I'll talk to you on Thursday.
6: We'll talk to you Thursday, guys. Have All a right. good
2: one. Thanks a lot. Have yourself a great day. Um, I got to think
6: about this how can
2: you lose as much money as i you got me thinking about this how, what would have to happen for elon Musk to lose
3: everything and getting back to the comparison to jj <coughs> excuse me if you would have had that much money to begin with wouldn't we have heard about the catastrophe that would have taken that now look these fines that he's been been dealing with is a lot of money but not for a billionaire
2: yeah yeah i i it's it's these are questions that I suspect Alex Mooney is asking. We'll have to see. All right, but I guess that's it for now. Hoppy is going to be talking about... um, Ryan Weld is going to be on with Hoppy today. Uh, Ryan Weld, of course, running for attorney general, state senator from this area. Uh, And he's going to talk about J.B. McCuskey deciding that he doesn't want to run for governor after all. Now he's going to run for attorney general. So Ryan Weld is on with that. Uh, Travis Jones will be talking about the TBT, which is happening here in Wheeling. And uh, Danny Jones, the former mayor of Charleston, and uh, all-round raconteur is going to join Hoppy. It's all coming up today on Statewide Talk. Line it gets underway shortly after the ABC News, which is next. i got to say, sign RC. you, bye-bye, farewell. i got to get out of here. Kirchhoff is up next. Bob and I back tomorrow morning, uh, 7 o'clock, right here.
4: They can never be what she wants what? to be. She's gone. She's gone. Oh, I. oh, I. I learn how to face She's gone. She's gone. She's gone.
0: FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX, Wheeling. FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY, Moundsville.
3: From ABC News, I'm Sherry Preston. Across the country, the heat continues to be relentless. Just walk outside and almost everywhere in the country, you'll feel it.